0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Charlie Fink. I'm here with my partner in crime, Ted Chilowitz. It's This Week in XR. Today is June 1st, 2021.
1: How are we doing today, Ted? Good morning, Charlie. It's a nice uh, the beginning of summer morning here in Los Angeles. And as always, there's lots of interesting things floating around in our XR universe. Uh,
0: beginning of summer, meaning it is going to be hot AF. Today.
1: Hot and dry and probably <laughs> yeah. fiery, which is a little dangerous. Kindly,
0: yeah, uh, uh, not good news that we're in a drought and now summer is starting uh, mm-hmm. when things really get super dried out. But as you say, lots of interesting action. This week, we've got a lot of enterprise XR announcements, which is kind of interesting because I don't think we've been talking about enterprise much recently. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's the biggest category of XR. That's mm-hmm. where XR is really making money. And when you look at the charts created by analysts like AR Insider, it, you see that it dwarfs where consumer is right now. I mean, obviously, over time, those, um, you know, those color graphs change. Right. But uh, that's where we are today. Really interesting use cases also show us some things where consumer might go. So, for example, uh, which is a company that's raised a heck of a lot of money, 55 million, uh, just... Uh, announced that they had integrated AI into their a- and uh, natural language processing into their AR platform for remote assistance, and you know they integrate with the Hololens and the Musics, and and they get their software uh, out there in about eighty countries, and and they've been doing it for about a, uh, twenty years. So it's sort of invisible to most consumers, mm-hmm. and probably to a lot of our listeners. But but what they've achieved is quite extraordinary.
1: Yeah. And I think for, for our listeners that are, a lot of them are pursuing careers in, uh, in a part of that XR sphere. Um, a lot of them will end up going to companies like that, that are actually already thriving and have large employee accounts, large contracts, large work streams um, that are important to the ecosystem. And it's just, you know, companies are finding use cases for this, what we call dynamic screen media, right? Not just traditional screen media, where workers need to be mobile and moving around and accomplishing tasks. And it's just better than holding a tablet or a smartphone all day long. Um, So there's a lot of adoption in that and there's a lot of growth in that.
0: And speaking of that, specular theory uh, a VR production company just landed a $4.5 million contract with the Air Force to create simulators for aerial refueling right so my first reaction to that of course was you mean you don't have that yeah how come that like <laughs> isn't that
1: already a thing like isn't that super dangerous and hard to do haven't we figured out how to like make sure this works correctly but probably not it's all probably pretty manual and pretty you know someone in one plane with a joystick kind of going oh, i think i got it you know kind of thing so yeah better tools so, to do It's uh, really important
0: so my friends at Avatur, run by a guy named Devin Copley, uh, the ex, these are the ex Nokia Ozu guys. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that really. Yeah, I was actually expensive. involved
1: in the Ozo quite quite heavily at that at that point in time. So yes. But but these guys left Nokia and did a startup, and I
0: saw their uh, platform about a year ago, and it has come a long way. Uh, I want to explain how it works. This is another great use case for XR. There is someone with a 360 camera on a GoPro wearing an, an audio headset, and that 360 video creates a room in VR. Mm-hmm. And inside of that room, uh, you can attend using a PC or a VR headset. You can be virtually present with other people who are all remote. So imagine you're touring your new chip factory in Shenzhen and you can't travel to China, or there's COVID, or you want to save a lot of bucks, you can direct that 360 camera operator all through the facility. You can have, you know, the the builders, the engineers there, you know, participating in the right. simulation. So, and, and I think it can have now like up to 20 people. So that's a lot of people touring through. So you can imagine, for example, the boss went to China and he's there in the factory but he wants all the people back in the office all the different stakeholders to be virtually present for the walkthrough yeah, yeah. so so they raised 2.9 million it sounds like it's worth a lot more than that
1: yeah yeah the the idea of, of this is kind of this idea of co-location right the idea of using cameras and sensors and, and and certainly now VR technology to be able to bring someone with someone else. It's actually not a whole lot different than if you were in an exotic location or I was, and we were doing a little video chat and I was like, hey, Charlie, you gotta check it out. And I would right. like put on my phone and hold it up and move right. it around and show you stuff. So it right. kind of comes from that consumer ethos of when you have a camera with you all the time, you have an eye to the world that other people can see remotely through a cloud infrastructure, and these guys are taking it to a professional level, which is which is really interesting because I do that all the time. Like we're you know, my I'm away from my wife; it's a crazy place in Asia, and I'm like, you have to see what I'm doing right now through my eyes. And it's basically here's my smartphone is my eyes. If it was something even better than that, which is probably a little bit what what Snap was working on with their spectacles, you know, the idea of that. You have this kind of instant-on look through the the world, and then snap the picture and upload it. And now they're they're evolving into an a full AR device, which is really important.
0: well. Of course, you'll get a much larger field of view through glasses Correct. than you ever will through a smartphone through a little phone, or right.
1: or even a pad, which is you know
0: got the yeah. smallest. Field of view, you could conceive of. Right. One so camera 40, versus a
1: 360 thing yeah, where you can or, see everything, right right, right?
0: right. Or even 40 degrees of your 60, 360 image that I have to scan mm-hmm. is going to be way better than my own smartphone. So, sure. uh, last example uh, Walmart uh, has a technology division and they are leaning into AR. Yeah. And they announced recently that they had finally created a mobile application for wayfinding picking and work instructions. Mm-hmm. So you can send a text message to the back, you know, because each of the stores has its own mini warehouse in the back right. of the house. So they've got somebody back there. He gets a message. Listen, we need uh, a box of jam. So can you pull it from inventory? And the guy flips up his screen and it shows, you know, he puts inputs what they want and it shows him how to get there and he can mm-hmm. find it on the shelf without even reading the box. Right. So what's interesting is they say it's typically a a procedure that takes two, sometimes three minutes, but now they can do it in forty seconds. Right. So a minute and twenty seconds doesn't sound like a huge time savings, except when that um, when that procedure has to be done ten thousand times a day. It adds up. Absolutely. Of warehouses around the world. So per day, they're actually saving almost 15,000 minutes.
1: Yeah. And it's that's huge dollars, right? And this is this yeah. is kind of this this technological advancement war that all the giant you know, used to be physical, now mostly e-commerce or started as e-commerce. So it's the war between Amazon and Walmart and Alibaba and anybody that has massive amounts of inventory. Because when you talk to really smart people about what those companies actually are, they are logistics companies. They are managing a logistics operation to move goods from point A to point B and the better they get at it, the more efficient they get at it, the more profit they derive, right? To the point where what Amazon figured out to the to the everybody else is the wonder of how did they get so good at this is they figured out that as they're creating a logistics company, cloud logistics is the biggest opportunity. And here comes AWS. And AWS powers the digital goods movement of right. many, many companies, which is just a logistics problem, right? so. Uh, And that's one of the most profitable companies in the world now. So there you go. Right. So uh, let's get to our guests. Yes, Uh,
0: this is going to be a really interesting conversation. They run a company called Adventure Lab um, that did an amazing live VR performance slash game slash escape room slash animated movie. So uh, I'm excited to have them with us. Our guests today are Kim Adams and Max Plank. Uh, who founded and uh, run together Adventure Lab, which is uh, an entertainment platform uh, featuring live performers and original productions uh, that uh, accommodate up to eight people. Uh, thank you guys for joining the show. Uh, as I said, when we were in the green room, uh, you know I'm excited to introduce you because you have such an uh, unusual and prestigious pedigree. I guess you guys both worked at Pixar and uh, Oculus Story Studio.
2: That's right. Yeah, Max well, was t-
0: at- Tell us, yeah, tell us what you were doing there and how you met.
2: Max was at Pixar uh, twice as long as I, so you can start off.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, but I feel like you you earned your stripes much faster than I, you were, you were, you were, you were doing some hard work there. Uh, we actually, uh, Kim and I knew of each other at Pixar, but we weren't working as closely. I was in the feature film work, so I was a technical director there. I worked on movies like Up, uh, cars wally the monsters university good dinosaur and brave and i was on the side building all of the tools and technology to bring some of the new ideas the directors were having to life mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile kim was building a completely new division which was which i'll let her speak to but she was doing amazing work uh, expanding pixar's uh, worlds
2: yeah so i worked with the cars and the toy story characters that are creating uh when i was there, I created uh, 13. Uh, short films, along with some really talented up-and-coming directors, and um, directed a couple of TV specials, and then uh, and then took off to join uh, Google Spotlight Stories because um, I came became really fascinated with you know the idea that you could be inside of a story and that stories could branch and the running time was variable and it just sort of blew my mind. I saw Glenn Keen's duet. Um, on that platform and that was it for me. I was like, I'm in, I don't know what's happening here but this is a crazy conversation between these brilliant uh, engineers and these incredibly talented artists and this ongoing conversation. I wanna be like right in the middle of that dialogue. So did that and then uh, connected again with Max at Oculus Story Studio. um, And we did some great work there with, you know, Dear Angelica and Wolves in the Walls um, and then Mm went to Facebook and headed up uh, something for a portal called Storytime, which was AR storytelling. And then Max and I started, you know, meeting for lunch and going, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what should we do here?
0: Well, maybe maybe we can start out our conversation with a description of what the Adventure Lab experience was like, and Ted has done it, uh, and I've done it. We both uh, participated in something called uh, Dr. Crumbs' School for Disobedient Pets. That's right. Um, I I got to be a husky. What were you, Ted?
1: What was I? Uh, I I think I was a ra- a rabbit. I think yeah. I was yeah. a rabbit.
0: Yeah. So, uh. so we we it's there's a whole story at the beginning where we meet Deputy Dog and he explains what our mission is and and we choose avatars and we're transported as disobedient pets to this I, I guess um, pet boarding place that is actually a front. For a computer character who wants to take over the world but he needs minions right i guess his former minions had failed so we are in the minion audition slash training academy
3: yep That's
0: it. and to, together as a group of sort of i don't know canna Barbera characters <laughs> we have to navigate a maze and you know some killer yeah, solve robots problems and, and bigger things yeah like yeah. And and each of us has some kind of a superpower. I think I had smell because I was a dog. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and uh, and it was and it quite a lot of fun. Hearing that's right. Yeah, I had super hearing. Yeah, right. it, so so deputy dog, the crazy doctor Crumb, and and yet another character who you meet inside of the maze are all played by the same actor. Right, and it it was at least when I did it a bravura. Performance. I mean, they <laughs> must have been exhausted afterwards. And the next thing I thought of is, well, what does the control panel look like? Right? What is he seeing? Because they have to be not only in character, but also omniscient, you know, setting the path, mm-hmm. so to speak. And the second time I did it, I was um, uh, with the partner of one of our producers who's up. Unity nerd like I am, um, Kayvon, and so Kayvon is a gamer, so it made things much easier. The first time I did it, I was with people like me, and Dr. Crumb practically had to tell us how to get out of the maze yeah. so that they could finish the story in less than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so it's never the same. It's never the same. It depends on who you're with and who the actor is on that day.
3: Yeah, and and that's when, you know, at the core of what we were doing and what we're excited about is we saw like there's this trend happening where people are hanging out in games. Games aren't just this thing you do for play, it's actually a space for creating new connections. And I I was also, at the time we were talking about this, I was getting deeply into escape rooms, Uh, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons again, I was dungeon mastering with a group of friends, and uh, I was getting into immersive theater. I was like, "There's something here about when you show up. There's someone who's responsible for making sure you all have a good time. So, what if that was mm. a whole secret ingredient that made yeah. sure that connection could happen?" And so you could see we were doing a lot of things with, with Dr. Crumb. It was a game. It was a performance. It was right. a role playing. Sort of, so it's a lot it's, of. Things.
0: Although there are a lot of great escape rooms, I think the Niso in New York that combine live action, live actors in them. Yes. You know, and so this is sort of a cousin of that by way of a Pixar
2: film. <laughs> yeah, and you saw how how the advantage we have with the live performer in there and can immediately tell how much experience do people have in VR and in games uh so they can level it up, make it harder yep. for you on the fly or mm-hmm. really help, you know, say okay, do you know how to locomote? Let's do that first, but do it in a creative way.
1: Well, and I I think what what I've noticed, you just mentioned it Max, is you've tapped two nerves. Well, you you certainly tapped Amazing nerves when you both were at Pixar, right? And that pedigree and that that work product, that creative inspiration that you created inspired a generation of storytellers in many ways. And you know, I think you have that same DNA that we all have about looking for interesting ways to tell stories with new technology. Uh and what, what you just commented on, Max, is something that I, I've really sort of been working on more than anything these days is this permanence of that digital landscape where people are entering into worlds and spending time in that world and then going find the things to do in that world, as opposed to the traditional way that we look at content and sort of pick through little boxes of content until we find the one we want. Newer audiences are starting to understand this concept of the metaverse as something well beyond what I think its original thought process was, as it is literally, a place where you live and then absorb content and choose to go to different places. So you're you're driving into that in a, in a really powerful way, which I think is important.
3: And and that's that's something we learn where where we want to go next is with Adventure Lab. You you buy a ticket, you're sent instructions on how to download the app, and when you show up, that that's when the performer brings the world to life. But outside of that, your time box, you can't really do much in in the game. And we realized that what what would be powerful here is what if there was a space to hang out in? Yeah. We're, we're excited about uh, an, an idea we're hoping to get off the ground. If we find the right partner, is a haunted house experience where you can be in the woods and the cemetery and the mysterious swamp. You could hang out there. You can run into strangers. You can choose an avatar that grows with you that gets accessories over time. But the 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 honeypot, the thing that is the most the the thing to do that's exciting, the quest is this door that's closed, that to get access to it, you have to buy a ticket to a performance. So there's a way to hang out before, afterwards, and talk about the experience that you can do with a performer. Yeah, so
1: you're you're basically creating a a digital metaphor of a theme park uh, environment, so that there are rides and attractions at the theme park, but a big part of the joy of going to the theme park is just going to the theme park with your family and you know, grabbing a snack and wandering around mm-hmm. and looking at the signage and deciding what to do next and socializing, as you say, should we go left or should we go right? That is starting to happen in the digital realm. And we're starting to see massive success within gaming culture that way. But you're expanding it out outside of gaming culture into more story-driven culture, which, which we think is good. Right. Is right. That-
2: when you get to open the doors uh, for the haunted house, there's a a, a live performer greeting you right, that's going to be the creepy butler and then potentially embody a number of different poltergeists and, and actively craft scares live as you're moving through the experience, changing it every time such that when you open the one door, it opens to the kitchen one time and might open to the cellar the next time.
0: <laughs> so um, I'm interested in the business model, right? The actor gets paid, you get paid. I mean, how much does the ticket cost and, and how are you thinking this will develop as a business?
3: The, what what we built is a, a platform. So not only are we building this this content, but we've made a way for the performer to say, "Hey, these are the hours I like to work." They use our web app to do that. That's how shows pop up. When people buy a show, that part of that that money goes to the performer, and part of it goes to us as the platform makers. And and that's what we want to do is make this so it's it's they can be their own business owners. They can they can truly operate essentially this escape room thing but all we're using is cloud. It's all automated. And, and mm-hmm. in that way, we think there's a big idea here because we don't have the overhead of what a theme park does or an escape room does, where you actually have to have a staff and build out things. This people can do from anywhere in the world. All they need is a $300 VR headset and they can have an audience that's anywhere in the world. Right. And so, so that's- So only
0: a VR headset? Can anybody use different devices, mobile, PC?
2: We have an amazing prototype for that right now um so it does work and it's pretty fascinating i think ted's done that experience where you can actually interact the performers interacting with the players inside as well as through their uh hardware devices with a camera and that you know ipad laptop whatever and it's pretty delightful so certainly
1: we we talked about your your growth potential outside of what today's vr headset which is a growing market but still a, a fairly small market compared to people that have traditional visual compute devices, phones, laptops, desktops, tablets. Right, Uh, I mean, I think
0: we all all think five years from now, there's going to be a tremendous and receptive audience for this kind of live entertainment. But as Ted said, between here and there is a world of hybrid devices, uh, and you're even going to have people in VR who might do it next time on a mobile phone. Correct.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we listened to a lot of uh, audience feedback. Once we got through the initial months of selling out, we started to get people saying, like, I'm the only person I know with a headset. I want to be able to play with more friends. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to do that? So we dug in just to see, like, would it be fun? And turns out it really is. So
0: who wrote this
2: thing? (laughs) Um, So Janine Willett and Kurt Fry. Both uh, Janine's an immersive theater expert, you know, she's co-founder of Third Rail Projects and and Kurt is a writer that writes for theme parks and interactive experiences.
1: And we know that-, I love that this new- We know that none of this- I uh, say, I love
2: this new
1: genre that's emerging. Uh, I, I was just gonna say, um, we, we know that running a startup in the creative arts is no easy feat. And I think people would take a lot of inspiration from you that are learning to try and and take a risk and put themselves out there and do something. And maybe it's worth you you commenting on that from an inspiration standpoint, because Mm. this stuff is really hard to to achieve, not just creatively, but economically and and sustainability. And um, I think it's important for for our listeners to hear why you're doing it, how you're doing it, and and that it's okay to keep with this. The, The struggle is worth it, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's been a journey for sure. We've both learned so much over the last couple of years Um, and our mission that we started out with and that we still have today is to connect people across distance through play. You know, the how we do it, we've pivoted a number of times. First, we were going to partner with LBEs, then the pandemic. So then we went fully in on home and then uh, also now multiple devices. So I think the ability to be flexible—like, are you staying true to your core mission? And if so, be willing to be flexible about the how, um, you know, and the trajectory. You know, do you need to just stay low for a while as the market continues to grow and builds, you know, quietly? And then there's that launch period where you're out there all the time. Um, Max, what would you say in terms of taking? Yeah,
3: this? it's yeah, it's definitely nerve-wracking. Um, I I know what 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 sustains us is this. You know, I I was when Kim and I were talking, we were both at Facebook. I was working on the team that eventually was going to make Oculus Horizon, and Kim was working on Portal. And we were talking about what we wanted the metaverse to be. And I do worry about a future where people are hanging out in the metaverse all the time and and not interacting in the real world. And also, people are hanging out there for five hours, and maybe of that five hours, they get 10 minutes of something that was really a great connection with someone else. And so for me, I was like, I there needs to be some technology out there that creates incredible, nutritious value when people are spending time on the platform. And so this idea of, hey, you're gonna spend an hour here, it's time boxed, and you're doing it with someone who is going to facilitate it so you guys are connecting in an amazing way, that's what, what fueled me. Nice. Uh, for for us, it's now a matter of finding that right market that wants this. It's It's been a challenge to convince investors, this is an interesting path, It's been a challenge to convince players, this isn't a game you're paying for, it's a performance. We had a lot of gamers be like, I'm not going to spend that much money on a one hour experience. I'm used to spending $20 and getting 20 hours of content. And so we, I think the journey for us as a company is we have this grand vision. We know it's going to be a big idea someday. We now need to meet the market where they are. What is the audience willing to spend? Where are they willing to, to hang out? And so I think the the, one of the big lessons we learned is this theme park approach. I think people would be willing to buy a game, download it, and then buy these moments in it if they can hang out in it all the time and create community. Well, I think that's if the I, next leap.
1: If, if I could give you a little bit of inspiration to keep going, if you think about who was the original creative pivoter, as the term has come much, much later in life, uh, was Walt Disney, right? So Walt Disney continually moved his mechanism, his creative mechanism in various ways to find what audiences we would be intrigued with, to grow the company, to grow the creativity, to help his staff stay motivated and interested in what they were doing. And he really never stopped. And the DNA of that company never stops. And they created a division called Imagineering that was effectively what you are doing, which is a lot of times they go into hiding for a while, they work on stuff, they pop out, you know, their heads pop out from the, from the gopher hole. They say, okay, let's put that over there and see what happens. So. What you're doing is in that legacy. And I think it's important to, to for, for people to know that it's OK to keep trying the, to find the right chemistry until it really works. I think that's a valuable, it's a really valuable thing.
3: I, I would also she, say, to, just a last bit, especially to your audience who, who's thinking about this space, is I am very, very excited about where VR is. I think it's been a challenge that we've been doing this since 2019. I, I saw the Quest at Facebook. I knew the standalone headset was going to be transformative. And it has taken a little longer than I was hoping for the market to realize this. But with the Quest 2 out there and the new devices coming out, there is a huge moment here where the market is growing. I think investment is still waiting to see that market blow up. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of lagging that a bit. Uh, But I do think right now is an incredible time to be experimenting and being creative in the space because there is going to be a huge lucrative moment within the next year.
1: Yeah, and the hits are out there, they are already out there, people are finding, making a living, and, and some are succeeding well, and that's going to continue to grow, and there'll be more hits as the audience gets bigger, and we try more interesting things, so you guys are absolutely at the tip and spear, so I would say, just keep at it. One
0: that. one thing that I, I was going to bring up, well, two things, really, one is I just love the idea that we're, we're democratizing the art of live performance largely left the mainstream, with the exception of Broadway. The other uh, thing that I love about this, and and you brought up Walt Disney, which is very apropos, which is he realized that people wanted to be inside the world of movies, but they could only achieve that using um, props and stagecraft and and dark rides. But now, of course, we have the technology, uh, like Disney, to put live actors, to, to put people in another world and make them the, the heroes of the story as you guys did with Dr. Crum, So it's it's super valid, super exciting. Uh, can our listeners do this? Uh, what's the story there these days? We, so we,
2: we had ahead. a one year anniversary of Dr. Crum. We ran consistent show, shows for an entire year. We took 1000 people through the experience across the world during a global pandemic when they couldn't be together otherwise. So we had a big celebration of that. And then we're going back under the hood now to work on that experience such that the, the hosts can truly run it themselves so that we can have exponential performers, exponential show times, um, and it runs much, much easier. Uh, the performers are, are their own tech support. So making things uh, easy and intuitive, intuitive enough for all parties that that can happen.
0: Well, Kim and Max were out of time, but it was so great to see you guys again and uh, delve a little bit deeper into the Adventure Lab stories. We're looking forward to your haunted house and your relaunch. And uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend. And thanks again for your time.
2: Really great talking to you guys. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, it's always
1: fun to talk to you guys. Thank you.
0: That's our show for this week. It's Friday, June 4th, 2021. Have a great weekend, everyone.
1: Have a good weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.